0: We've got a dynamic guest speaker here coming all the way to us from Wisconsin. He was a chaplain for the Green Bay Packers, as a matter of fact. There are some Packer fans in here. All right. OK. All right. That's rare. OK. <laughs> well let's give a warm foundation welcome for Pastor Arnie Jacobson. Bless you, my man. It is great to be at Foundation. Uh, it's been a few years since I've been here. I, I think uh, uh, Pastor Chris wanted to let the church heal up again before he brought me back. <laughs> I do have the gift of irritation. That's why I wore this, sweatshirt, uh, this sh- sweater today with the G on it. Now, I bumped into a, a, a young lady with a Chicago bear. Uh, where are you? Right there, right in the firing line, you yeah. Go Bears! Amen. You remember Buddy Ryan? Do you really remember him? Reggie White brought Buddy Ryan to church. Now, Buddy was a very enthusiastic. Everybody thought he was a grumpy, mean old man. Well, Reggie White, who attended our church, brought... Buddy was his coach in Philadelphia. So he brings Buddy Ryan to church on a Sunday morning. They sat on the front row. I gave the altar call. Buddy puts his hand up, prays the sinner's prayer. Reggie was really excited because his old coach got saved. So we, we went to lunch with Buddy and my wife, uh, said to him, uh, you seem to be, when we used to watch you on TV and your teams would play the Packers, you were this, you know, this, and uh, he said, what are you doing now? He wasn't coaching, of course. He said, I'm an old coach looking for a sideline to roam. Now, I've taken that, okay, I'm not pastoring a church church now. I travel, speak, I consult for a church group out of Houston, and uh, so I'm just an old pastor looking for a pulpit to preach Preach behind, okay? So Buddy and I, and I'm sure when Buddy got to heaven, there were a lot of the guys in heaven that went on before him. So, thought, how the heck did you get in here, Buddy? You know, well, Reggie brought me to church, and I got saved. Well, it's great to be here. I love your pastor. We've been friends for a long time. I was actually, I spoke here when the church was still in the school, uh, and we have been friends, and uh, we talk a lot. And uh, I've been able to, because I'm much older than him, to be able to be a mentor to him. We've done some things that that he wanted to do, and uh, but I tell you what, you are fortunate. And if he's uh, if he's tuned in online today from Disneyland, or and you know why? By the way, they needed that vacation. In fact, back in the day, uh, and it probably still to some degree, but he worked and worked and worked. He never took a day off. Man, he was. And I said, you know, Chris, you've got to take a vacation. You've got to get away. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, you know where it says, Selah, you know what that means? Pause and take a break. And uh, he's taken everything to heart for me. I'm, I'm a grass guy, not the kind you smoke. But I got the nice, <laughs> I have the nicest grass in our neighborhood. And uh, uh, so I was telling him, I said, Chris, you know, make sure your yard looks good and your church grounds look good. I pulled in this morning, man. I love the looks of your grass around here, man. I don't know, looks good. And uh, I was talking to him about two months ago, and he was outside in his yard. I said, what are you doing, Chris? He said, Pastor Arnie, he said, I'm working on my yard, because remember when you told me? I tell you, we have a great relationship, and he's a great man of God, a great speaker, a great leader, and I am fortunate that uh, he allowed me to come today. You know what? Let's give him a hand today. Woo! God bless Chris. Give he and his family a great vacation. All right, today I've entitled the message "Kiss the Wave." There it is, "Kiss the Wave," and you'll understand it in a bit. But we want to discover what it means to deal with fear. You know, the Scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a first and a sound mind at seventy five sometimes I think mine might be slipping a touch now just be nice say eh? i 'm in that stage now where you 're young and then you 're middle age, and then you 're older, and they say, "Oh, you look nice for your age and i 'm in that stage now, <laughs> heading toward heaven, But uh, I want to talk to you about fear today and, and the thing that runs my life and has always run my, ran my life. Since the day I got saved, I got saved January first, nineteen sixty-seven. I got saved in a restaurant. John Wilkerson. Remember crossing the switch by Wilkerson. Uh, his cousin Dave Wilk. Uh, Dave Wilkerson's cousin, John, led me to Christ in a restaurant. And from that moment on, because I did such a radical 180, my girlfriend cut me loose. She said I was no fun anymore. And, and I just, I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit chasing girls. That back in the 60s. At one time, I was young enough to chase girls. Now I've settled in on my wife for the last 54 years, and I'm still, I'm still chasing her. And she looks much better than me. But anyhow, uh, fear Now, when you're born, how many fears are you born with? Does anybody know what? There's two. Can anybody name one of them? Huh? Fear of falling. That's right. You know what the other one is? Loud noises. noises. He was in the first service. That's my grandson. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) his dad's an executive pastor at Grace Church in the woodlands. And we met yesterday midway when I flew in from Green Bay, and he spent the night with me, and I'm going to take him back halfway sometime later this afternoon. But anyhow, yeah, those two fears. So every other fear that you have is learned. Now I want to tell you, the enemy, and here's the deal, I'm all about leading people to Christ. And I developed a number of systems over the years that have worked effectively. I taught them in the churches, I pastored. We founded a church in Green Bay in 1992. When I was 45, we had no people. I was there 15 years, and we left. Uh, we had close to 4,000 people. Most of them were saved in our church. There wasn't much transfer growth there because the largest church in Green Bay when we came, evangelical church, had 300 people. So you had to get people saved if you were going to build a church. You just weren't going to get people, Oh, man, you know, Pastor Chris is a great preacher. I think I'll go and listen to him. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with ta- changing churches. I mean, I sent to quite a few people out our door to other churches over the years with, with my uh, gift of irritation. So anyhow, when you talk about fear, uh, most people uh, think, well, that's the pastor's job or that's the evangelistic committee's job. But no, that's a bunch of bunk. It's everybody's job. But most people fail at it miserably because of fear. Now, what's that about? We're going to deal with that in this message I've entitled, Kiss The wave, and we're going to show you some things. Now, like for example, I will tell you I have one fear. It's fear of snakes. I would have a hard time living in Texas because now you say what you want about Wisconsin; it's too cold for poisonous vipers there. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) I was I did three weeks of preaching a number of years ago in Nigeria, and they got every kind of poisonous viper known to man. One night we were going to, uh, I was going to preach at a chapel service and and from the missionary compound to the chapel was about 100 yards at night and the the missionary had a a flashlight and he was flashing. I said, What are you doing? He said, We're looking for spitting cobras. That's a bad snake. (laughs) And so I'm like this. The whole time in Nigeria, I'm like this. I came into your church this morning. Nice grass, I just don't hope, to, I hope there's no poisonous vipers crawling through there, you know? I got back from Nigeria, took a chiropractor three weeks to get my neck back up because it was glued to my chest from looking down so much. But it's a fear. And you know, I'm really thinking about it. I was thinking about it when I was working on this message this week. You know, I'm, I'm, I've never touched a snake. I mean, I've never even picked up a little grass snake. Closest I've got is I've touched a turtle's head. When They say it's pretty, pretty similar, I guess, but yikes. But how do you deal with fear? That's what I'm talk to you about today. Now you have a great pastor. He's a great teacher, great preacher. You've got classes, and you, get, you. I would say you're probably, if you've been here for a, a, a period of time, you're pretty well educated in Christian things. Would you agree? Yeah. But I, I say this in this is irritation again. Most of us as Christians are educated far above our level of performance, because what the gospel is all about. What did Jesus come to do? To seek and to save the lost. He looked over Jerusalem and he wept. Are you weeping over Bastrop or the community you come from? Do you have a heart for your neighbors? Do you have a heart for the waitress? Do you have a heart for everybody? And then how can you reach them? Now, I've developed some tools. One of them is, and this is really special. It's called Five Keys to Reaching Your Family for Christ. And I, I developed this, uh, I was in... Memphis, Tennessee, years ago, preaching. and I I preached in the morning. I didn't think I was preaching at night. He said, you're preaching tonight, and I want you to preach on evangelism. I went back to the hotel room. but what am I going to do? Now, I could have rolled something off the cuff. But God put these five keys in my mind. I preached at that night. And they really work not only on family, but they work in the workplace. They work everywhere. And the situation is this. There's a scripture in Peter, uh, 1 Peter. It says, on any occasion when you're asked to give a reason for the hope that's in you. Now think about that a minute. A lot of times we're out saying, hey, do you know Jesus? And and there's nothing really wrong with that. But it isn't real effective. And I've come to find out, and I've developed these things, to get to live in such a way that your neighbors will ask you, what's what's the deal with you? And when they ask you, you can unload on them. I'll just tell you a quick story, and then we'll launch into the message. My next-door neighbor, Dennis... We moved into our neighborhood five years ago. We went to we had gone to Utah, started a church with my son there. I moved back to the Midwest because I do a lot of stuff in the Midwest, and my wife likes Wisconsin. I love Utah. If she dies before me, before the flowers wilt. I'll be back in Utah from the funeral. Careful, I'm just. just. So anyhow, uh, I shared the Lord with him, and he told me this was when we first moved in. We just talked, and he knew the church I pastored is about. Eight blocks away, there's 140,000 square feet in the building. It's on 39 acres, police directing traffic there on Sunday mornings to get people in and out. So they know about me, okay? So, and he had lived not too far from there, and they moved into our neighborhood. He said, You know, I came back from Vietnam. I, I had been home uh, nine months earlier on a, a furlough. My wife got pregnant. I get back, she's gonna have the baby. She goes into labor. We take her to St. Vincent's Hospital, and she's in labor, and they tell me, You better go get the money. To pay for this delivery, so Saint Vincent's is a Catholic hospital. He's mad at God. So it was a year or two later. I, you know, we became friends. One day I was washing my windows. Now I've got a huge reach. I mean, I, I think I got like a seventy-eight inch wingspan, and so we live in single-family housing. But so I can reach the windows. I can go like. I mean, I, I can wash our windows about an hour. So I come around the corner of my house, and Dennis and his wife are outside. And I said, hey, Dennis, something prompted me, seriously, wash his windows. Now the guy can afford to have his windows washed, or he can wash them himself. He said, oh, Arnie, you don't have to do that. I said, no. And then his wife says, Dennis, let him do it. So I did it. And when I got done, they, were, I, they had a glass of lemonade for me on their, <clears throat> on their patio and said, Arnie, what's the deal with you? Why, why would you know, why would a guy like you wash our windows? And then I, they asked me, and I unloaded him, led both he and his wife to the Lord. Fast forward a year and a half later, Dennis had a mild heart attack this summer. Now, I also cut his front grass. Now, we live in a neighborhood, they cut your grass, they do everything, but they don't do it good enough for me, because I'm a real grass guy. I don't smoke it, but I'm a real grass guy, okay. And so, I'm coming around the corner because I want everything to look even. And they go through so fast it doesn't look doesn't live up to my expectations. So I go around the corner of the house and he's sitting on the patio with his wife. It's on a Friday. I said, Dennis, you had that slight heart attack. Remember what we talked to him about he said, Oh yeah, I remember. And I said, You know, Dennis, I want to pray for you and just reaffirm the fact that and he said, No, that'd be nice. So I prayed with him. That was Friday. Monday morning had a massive heart attack and died. Why did he ask me about Jesus? Not because he had been to church and knew everything, but I did something for him, and he asked me. And I want to tell you what, that should be repeated. I could tell you stories until 3 o'clock this afternoon that the people I've led to the Lord from doing random acts of kindness to being the best that I can be in the workplace and everywhere. And see, that's what we need to do, but why don't we do it? You know, I had this little revelation. I mean, I told you, I mean, I've gotten people mad at me. Because I get mad at Christians who come to church, pay their tithe. Now, I don't, that's all good things. Work in a class, maybe usher or whatever, but they never touch anybody for the gospel. And, then, and that gets me mad. I want to slap them. <laughs> so don't get close to me today. You're will to get one. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <clears throat> I was at a, uh, two weeks ago, I was in Fresno. California one of my former assistants pastors a church there called the people's church it's a huge church they just did a 20 million dollar addition for for cash I mean the place smells like money and uh uh but I he he has 40 full-time staff members okay that's full-time people working on staff to run that big thing so I did the staff meeting and I asked him this question now these are people working there paid there working in the kingdom of God right so I said, how many of you on the staff have led someone to Christ in the last three months? Two people raise their hands. Now, these are paid, professional clergy. And they've got people working under them, running things. And you know what? You follow the leader, right? So we're going to deal with this thing called fear. And i got to move along quickly because according to the clock, I've got 15 minutes. I'm not going to violate as bad as Pastor Chris might. But I might slip over, I first service four minutes and nineteen seconds I went over, okay? You ready to rumble? Yes. Hello. There's a legend in Judaism about a name named Nashon. Let me tell you about this. And we're gonna, I'm, and I'll maybe read some of the scripture, but just trust me, you probably know this. Remember when the nation of Israel was brought out of Egypt, out of slavery, right? And all the plagues, and finally the Pharaoh lets him go. But then he changes his mind. And they're, they're, they're cornered. They're heading toward the Red Sea, right in front of them. They got Pharaoh's army with swords coming at the other direction. You talk about that uh, thing being between a rock and a hard place. They were there. And what are they going to do? So, what happened? And this is, I, I, I just picked this up a couple weeks ago in a book that I was reading. It said, there is a legend in Judaism about a man named Nashon... He is the great, 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 great grandfather of King David. He's in the line of David. Nashon is credited with one act of courage. After their exodus out of Egypt, as I said, the Israelites were trapped between the sword and the sea. There seemed to be no way out. God issues a counterintuitive command. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. The problem was there was no way forward. And see, many times in our lives... When we think about it, I want to do what pastor's talk, and I want to do it with it, but I just can't. There's, there's this block. There's this fear that stops me. No way forward. According to rabbinic tradition, this is where the leader of the tribe of Israel, David's great-great-great-great-grandfather, Nashon, wades into the Red Sea until he is neck deep. Right up then to his nostrils. And at that point, whew, the water split and they went through. But see, sometimes we have to wade into our fears right up to our neck. Is this gonna work? You know, if if you want to be supernatural, you gotta do the natural and God will bring the super, right? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Can we do what God wants us to do? Can we conquer fear? Now, if you didn't, you know, have you ever heard the, the uh illustration, the runt of the litter? Now I, I'm tall. I'm six foot four. I weigh 225 pounds. I got a, a 79 inch wingspan, okay? They actually measure guys at the NBA draft to see how wide their wingspan. I mean, I, so I got these long arms and different things. But I was the shy, I was the middle child in our family. I was the shyest. I was always a touch funny. But <clears throat> if I had to, talk to a stranger or give a speech in speech class. I couldn't sleep the night before. I would go to class. I would sweat. I would clam up. I had this unbelievable fear of that stuff. Now, in the, nat- the natural with me was when I went to Bible college, I uh, answered a job thing in the paper, and it was for selling wherever cookware door-to-door. Now, some of you older folks might remember. It's a really good stuff. My wife's had a set. I think she got a set the third time I dated her. I pay dearly for that stuff, I'm telling you. We still have it. And it still looks great and it works great. We've had 100 couches, I don't know how many cars, and, but that old wherever is popping right along. Now, here's the deal, good product. But I remember after being trained, I go to the first store. They had a, they, they had a, 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 a we sold single working girls and of course parents and different things. But, so I go to the door. I am so frightened that I prayed that they wouldn't be home. Because I had a fear. You see, the fear of rejection. The fear of someone saying no to you. And that works in every level of our life. And it handcuffs us. But I went in. Now I had to push through that. Because sometimes your life circumstances are the mother of you having to do what you didn't want to do. I had to make money. I was married. I was going to Bible college. And I got very good at it. Because I realized that if you had a good product and you presented it right, people would buy In fact, when I graduated from college, I was in ministry six or seven years before I made more money than I did my last year in Bible college. Because I had 19 guys selling cookware for me, and I was just Mr. Buy a Pot and Pan guy. But I pushed through that fear, so that was natural fear. But then when I got saved, God added the supernatural to and then I realized I can supernaturally figure out ways to reach people for Christ. That's why I brought these book, books along. Not to make money. They're $10 each. All prostates go to feed a hungry family. Mine. <laughs> but I tell you what. Especially the, the, the one on uh, five keys to reaching your family. I have another one on the high cost of Resentment. So many people, Christians, are full of resentment. It's, it's an anchor. They can't get their mind off how they've been hurt or what happened. Maybe you're the person. That, so all everything I do is for evangelism, for reaching people for Christ. That's why when people come to church over and over again and don't do anything, don't bring people, don't don't. You know, when you start doing that, life will take on excitement and thrills. Right? Right. Kiss the wave. Psalms 114 says, The sea saw it and fled as the water turned back. Someone had to step in the water. Someone have to, has to go after it and get the job done. So if you want God to do the super in you, you have to do the natural. It takes God to make the highway through the sea. It takes God to help you kiss the wave. The first step is always the hardest. My prayer is from the first service till now, and I must have went over well because I didn't bring enough books along. I mean, there'll be enough for you guys if you do like they did. But the reality is people want to reach people for Christ. How many of you have friends and family that don't know Christ? That little book, Five Keys to Reaching Your Family for Christ, if you take it and follow it, there'll be steps you can do on holidays, things you can do. And I tell you what, I have seen, my mother, there were 16 kids in her family, all single shots. No litters. When I did my grandmother's funeral 25 years ago, there were, she had 169 grandchildren and great, great grandchildren. She was a high stockholder in Hallmark cards. I did one of my uncle's funerals. I led him to Christ two days before he died. He was a Lutheran guy. They went to a church that sat about 200. Ours sat over 1,000. So my aunt called me and said, would you do the funeral at your church because there's so many relatives? We did the funeral. I told him what happened to Uncle Kelvin two days before he died. And in that service, over 170 of my relatives came to Jesus Christ because I applied (laughs) these principles in the book. Now they might not get saved tomorrow but it's a promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved and thy household. And it's not talking about your kitchen cupboards or your garage or your car or your furniture. You see, that's what it's about. You've got you to get moving. You've got to go after it. And you have to take the first step. And you have to say, God, I want you to use me. Back to the runt of the litter. Things fall out of my head but they do come back in. Now, I was reading, this was fascinating. I, I used to watch on, even on, 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 Sports Center, they would have these, shows where they get these, they call them sheep dogs or cattle dogs or whatever, and then they'll, they'll get a, say a hundred sheep, and they take, a different dog will take those sheep and put them into the, you know what I mean? And whoever does it the fastest without having a lot of stragglers wins an award. Cattlemen and sheep herders or sheep ranchers will tell you, that dog is probably my most important Piece of equipment that I use. Okay, back to the runt of the litter. People who breed those dogs, every every litter has a runt. Okay, it's smaller, uh, whatever. So when when they when the runt is born, they'll they'll put a piece of uh, uh, something around its neck, maybe a cotton something or another, and they just tie it real loosely because eventually that little dog. If it doesn't die, we'll catch up with the rest of them. And they want to always designate the runt. Why do you suppose that is? Because when they sell them, the runt is the most expensive. Why do you think that is? Because it had a push and push and push to survive. And it's got a great heart. Now that to me tells about a lot of us sitting here. Many times think, well, I'm the runt of the litter in Christianity. I'm not Pastor Chris. I'm not Pastor Arnie. I'm a whatever. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm just quiet old me. But you can wash someone's windows. You can cut someone's grass. You can bring them something. You can pray over your neighborhood. You can take walks in your neighborhood. You can do it. Right? And see, you push through that fear. And I tell you what happens. Have you ever heard of David Wilkerson crossing a switchway? Some of you older might have. Well, his, his, his cousin led me to Christ. John Wilkerson was his name. His son, Rich Wilkerson, has been an evangelist. Many of you have been around a while with no rich. But, <clears throat> so I get saved. I had a 65 Chevy Supersport. I wish I had it now. I see them go through the auction at like 50, 60 grand if they've redone them. I paid 3500 and some dollars for it. You can't even get a good radio in a car for that today. I got the whole doggone car. So anyhow, after I got saved and it had 4 on the floor, 327, it was Regal Red bucket seats. Man, it was a chick magnet car, I'm telling you right now, back in the 60s. <laughs> and so anyhow, Rich wanted to go for a ride in that car, the pastor's son. So we go for a ride and I need gas. Now back then, they didn't you didn't have the we didn't even have credit cards. We didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. We were really limited. So I, I, they put the gas in the car. I go in to pay, and there's a lady to collect the money. Now, I am raw. I mean, I'm fresh out of the hopper of getting saved. I had, a, I had things to clean up. My moral life, my language, you know what I mean? I used to know a lot of dirty jokes. Man, all that stuff had to go, right? I had a dirty old mind when I got saved, and it needed the good old washing. That was the case. But anyhow, I'm still new. You remember, you know, it takes a while to get up here. So I'm, I'm at the counter with the girl, and I'm trying to tell her about Jesus. Now, I didn't wait for her to ask me. I hadn't washed her windows. She didn't even wash the windows on my car, by the way. Anyhow, so I say to her, oh, man, you got to give your life to Christ. She get out of here. Leave me alone. Don't throw that Jesus stuff at me. So I go back to the car and get in the car. And Rich says, what's up? Now, please understand. Remember, i got to clean up my book. I said, Rich. Jesus Christ she wouldn't accept Jesus. So I swear trying to figure you know what I mean now don't 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 start crying you know I'm just illustrating but when I pushed through God cleaned me up and got me moving in the right direction to lead people to Jesus, right? So back to that group that I that I taught the staff that didn't lead anybody to Christ. I won't, I won't embarrass you by having you raise your hand. Who's the last person you brought to church? Who's the last person you led to Christ? How many of your neighbors are going to hell in a handbasket and you've never done anything to be so great to them that they ask you the same way at work and everywhere else? That's why that little book, Five Keys, is so important and the resentment one. Cause some of you might not be doing it cause you're so mad at somebody you can't get it off your mind and you couldn't share Jesus if your life depended on it. You gotta lay that stuff down, break up the scar tissue. You know, when you have—I've never had knee surgery, thank God. I used to be a jogger, now I'm a walker. I wish I was jogging, but I thought there was a law of diminishing returns on my knees, so now I'm walking. But i, was, I, I heard a guy telling the other day he had knee surgery, and then they put you into uh, rehab, right? Why do they do that? And if you follow through, they want to break up the scar tissue so you can get your mobility back to function like it did before the operation. See, a lot of people have scar tissue in their life that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit have to break up so you can get back and run this race with effectiveness, right? We got a lot of limping Christians out there with a lot of stars in them. By the way, I do spit. And it isn't because I'm old. I spit when I preached when I was young. In our churches, they had what they called the spit zone. You don't get close to him when he's preaching because you'll get wet. I just threw that in because it's free. Now, according to the clock, i got a minute and 44 seconds left. I'm under the clock. I'm going to finish with this story. Now, a lot of the stuff I've been talking about today, not so much some of the stuff I threw in, but five keys to reaching your family Christ. i got another book out there called The Favor Factor and another one. These are not just so I can sell a book for 10 bucks and take some $10 bills home with me. Not part of it, I guess. And I don't pay quite $10 for them. Let's be real. I'm not going to tell you what I pay for them, but are you there? <laughs> Come on. I, those are tools. Actually, they flew off the shelf. I think by the next service, I don't know if I have any left. I've got them at home, but I underestimated. What that showed me is there's a hunger here for people that want to really reach people for Christ. Now, let me, let me share this not to make you feel bad. I used to make people feel bad because they didn't do what I did. Remember the story of Jesus at the well, sitting at the well, the Samaritan woman comes out, right? And she's coming to draw water. <clears throat> Jesus said, you should drink, what, and she, he it the whole story about him, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, they were half-breeds, all of that stuff. But long story short, he talks to her, he reads her mail, he tells her, look, you're, you've been married five times, the guy that you're living with right now isn't your husband, and she just melted, and he embraced her, and she came to Christ. Now, Jesus stopped, he was tired, shows you he was a man like us. So his 12 disciples, they sent him into Samaria to do what? To buy food, right? So they're going into Samaria to buy food. This woman's coming out to draw at the well. Why didn't they talk to her? Do you get it? Even the 12 walked right by one of the major sinners from Samaria. I close with this little story. I told you I was in Fresno Sunday after church. I spent a little time with Pastor Dale. He, spent, he was my assistant for years, and now he's the pastor of this church. We went over to his house. We had recorded the Packer game. We knew they had won before we watched it, which made it a lot more enjoyable. Probably lose today because Aaron Rodgers is not playing. And yeah, I know you're really heartbroken, that bear fan. Just so sick about this. By the way, Aaron Rodgers came to our church. He worked with our youth, but now he's away from God. So pray for him. He's a sinner, and his parents in California are praying that he'll come back to God. But, you know, sometimes you make so much money, you get full of yourself. It's not good. And even the spirit over the football thing in Green Bay is not good. I mean, it, they, if they lose, which just hasn't been often, thank God, that child abuse goes up, wife beating goes up. I mean, it's nuts. So anyhow, I get back from Dale's house. I'm in the hotel. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Something says go for a walk. So, I'm a walker, but I normally don't walk. I'm, I'm not going to walk this afternoon. I'm just telling you, unless God tells me to, okay? And I'm hoping he won't. And uh, <laughs> so I take this, about a four-mile walk. I go two miles about one way, and I'm coming back, and I'm walking down the sidewalk on a busy street, and about 20 yards, I see this lady coming. She gets closer to me, and you could tell she had sadness written all over her. And I, I, I said, ma'am, are you Okay. And I mean, it wasn't a busy street. I wasn't trying to pick her up or anything. And I don't do that because that's why I've been married 54 years. I would be killed if I ever did any of that stuff. And uh, she said, yeah. She said, you know, my husband has been abusing me. We're on the verge of divorce. I don't know what to do. So I prayed for her and I led her to Christ on the street there. Now, I could have walked by her. I could have said, hi, how you doing? She'd probably said hi. But see, this is where we got to tune in. See a lot of people would like to stop, but fear stops them. But those are learned fears. Now in those instances, God used that. I didn't have a chance to wash her windows or do something wonderful for her, or give her twenty bucks or whatever. But God has plans. And so you got hurting neighbors, you got hurting family members. All you got to do is start being so nice that they cannot, and they're going to say, "What's up with you?" Just like. Dennis, my neighbor, did. And when I did his funeral, it was packed. I told him what happened. I gave an altar call at that thing. And you know, I'm just Arnie Jacobson, the runt of the litter. The one they would have tied a piece of something around my neck. Even my classmates from high school, a small town, they can't believe it. They used to watch us on TV. Is that really Arnie? You know what I mean? That's, it can't be. But see, God can take you and have you do things that you never believed you could do. Now I'm three minutes over, I'm about done. And I want you today to kiss the wave. When we were kids, we lived on Lake Michigan, and the big waves would come in. The water's cold, but we were kids, we didn't care. And those waves, were on, they called them Northeasters, they'd come in, the waves maybe this high, and we'd run out on the beach and we'd go out, and the wave would knock you back. But you know what we learned? If you dive into the wave, you can get to the other side. And that's what I want to encourage you to do dive into the wave, kiss the wave, and let God begin to use you in a, in a fashion never imaginable. Stand with me. And here's how I want to close this. We did this in the first service. It only takes a second. I want to pray for every one of you, but I can't get to you individually. So what we did in the first service, we just had people come forward and stand here. We're not going to ask any questions. We're going to pray for you as a group. Would you do that? Would you just step out from where you are all over this building? We're, I'm... And I'm going to quit preaching so I don't spit on you. So come on. Would you come? Don't be frightened. I mean, come on. You know, did you ever watch The Price is Right? Boy, they call your number. You'd run down so fast to get to bid on that item. But I'm in church, man. And you don't have to come. But if, if you would, that'd be nice. And we can pray for you where you are. But see, by taking this simple little step out, it's like you're walking toward the wave. You're walking toward the wave. And you said, you know what, I'm going to kiss the wave. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to walk through that fear. You see, when I was born, it wasn't like when I came out of my mother's womb, I say, I hope there's no snakes in the nursery. You know? No. I learned that fear. And so we're going to eradicate that, and I believe God is going to take you corporately, this church, to another level. Let's pray. Father, right now I pray for these people. Lord, they're great people, they love you, they got a great pastor, they know the word, they've been educated well, and many of them maybe function like I've been talking, but there's so many of them that want to, but fear stops them. And Lord, like the, the general at the Battle of the Bulge, they were, the troops were surrounded on every side, and the general said to him, this is a great opportunity because we can attack from any direction, because they were surrounded. The devil wants to stop you. He surrounded us with fears, doubts, agonies, hurts, resentments, pain. And we stand against it in Jesus' name. Now, the last thing, and it's done. If you're here today in this room, and maybe you were like I was in that January day in 1967. I was away. From, I didn't know God. And if you don't have Jesus in your heart, we're not going to embarrass you. But I'd like to pray with just raise your hand. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Let, yes, God bless you. Is there anybody else? And you. And you. God bless you. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. And I even have a bear fan applauding down there. That's, it was hard, I know. If you don't have the money, I'll give you a book.